Yeah. It's 11 o'clock at night. Sitting out here on the balcony. Couldn't really sleep. Um, which is a fucking pain, to be honest. I was feeling really, really tired and then decided to go to bed early. Um, was, yeah, was still tired. Felt like I got about 90% of the way to sleep. You know, like a little progress bar on a computer. Like, you know, download 90% and then it failed. And I'm like, fuck, fuck. Um, I find for me at least I, uh, I know I'm kind of screwed for like going to sleep when my mind starts racing and my heart starts beating really fast and like the cortisol kicks in and I'm like, fuck, but you know, is what it is, gotta make the most of it, can't kind of complain about what is, so I thought whip out the old cock, I mean, uh, phone and, um, record a little bit of a podcasty thing so yeah I don't know what really to talk about um the building across from me whenever I wake up in the middle of the night there's always one particular window that's lit up and I want to know the story behind it I want to know who is it that lives in that apartment and why is that one window always open you know probably what it is to be honest it's probably like a bathroom and they just leave the bathroom uh, light on all night you know some people do that but I like to think it's some you know some great novelist like working on their shit you know something romantic um yeah it's a pretty pleasant evening really not too cold i guess i was kind of thinking about life the universe and everything what can you really do about that um yeah i don't know I was journaling uh, again the savo and it does seem like the more i think about it the more I feel drawn towards uh, doing things with with my life. I feel more as though um, these individual creative pursuits that, like, really enthrall me, those are all more, like, like hobbies or, like, passing, not passing, but, like, different ways of applying my creative spirit and whatnot. And I think in a way... um, getting really into design well it's been great I think that I've sort of felt a little bit tired to like like oh design is my thing you know um but it's not like design is one application of my thing and my thing is kind of is creativity and like self-awareness and trying to be the best version of myself being curious always trying to improve like that's the kind of stuff that I do that I do anyway all the time you know like I've been journaling every day for like the past, I don't know, three, four years or whatever. Um, And I've done that without any expectation of anything just because the process of that is so cathartic, is getting my thoughts out there, making sense of them, explaining them, you know. And like whenever I call up family members on the phone, 
I always just want to have really in-depth conversations with them about random philosophical things and like use them as a springboard to like make sense of all my ideas and um, all that kind of shit, you know. And I guess that's usually a good indication of like what you should uh, do with your life. Robert, telling you what to do with your life um, is the kind of shit that you do anyway without even kind of realizing that you're drawn to doing it, you know. Um, Yeah, so I don't know, just a little insight. Uh, that I had kind of feel as though maybe sort of um, the design has occupied too much of my life you know I, I don't know that it's something that I want to cut it out completely but I have sort of you know in the past made the decision that that um, that was where I was going to direct all my efforts but I don't think that that's really the case. You know, I had this idea of, and I think it's something I will follow through on actually, of getting a, um, you know, dropping in my resume to a secondhand bookshop and getting a job there just because I, I would really like that separation, um, you know. Actually, there's a YouTuber I watch called Ali Abdal. Some of you guys might know him. A sexy beast, of course. And uh, he had a comment that I thought was really pertinent, which was that nothing is fun as a full-time job. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, I think that is true, you know. I think when one thing occupies too much of your life, I think that becomes unhealthy, unstable, I suppose. Um, I guess you could compare it to like a chair or a table, you know. The more legs you have on the table, like, the more, the more stable it is, right, um, uh, the less likely it is to sort of topple, although, interestingly enough, tables with three legs wobble, like, a table with three legs is unlikely to wobble as much as a table with four legs. I believe. I don't know. Is that not true? <laughs> Maybe I just made that up. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's got... It's like... Because wobbling is caused by, like, one leg not fully being in contact with the ground. Um, and so the more legs you have, um, then the more chance that that table is going to have one of those legs that is not touching the ground you know what I mean like I'm not explaining this very well anyway what else is there to talk about oh yeah um I've kind of realized as well I think a lot of times I've I've spent my time kind of like trying to like force myself to do things that I know that I quote unquote should or could do especially when it comes to like business and life and stuff I'm like oh yeah I really should um you know make a more clear map of like what my client onboarding process looks like but it's just it's not not a very exciting thing to do so I don't particularly want to do it and I think in some ways because I'm like okay this is the thing that I should do and I sort of put that in front of me and then I don't want to do that thing badly so I just end up running around and like escaping the, the obligation to do that thing um but I think maybe a better way to approach it and something that I'm realizing is sometimes when I when I start 
by doing something that I really enjoy first and get that sort of almost satiate that like creative curious desire um, first you know like do do some just random design or you know record a podcast like this or do some writing or whatever earlier in the day then I kind of get that sense of like it almost like quells that sort of beast within me that wants to like make things you know or like that um you know it kind of it's like you know taking your kids to the park and like wearing them out a little bit so then when they get back they can I don't know behave and do their homework and whatever <laughs> so yeah I find that there's um some merit to that for for me you know even if it's not necessarily something creative maybe it is literally exercise and stuff I think that works in a similar way but um yeah maybe that's something we want to explore doing that first and then um then getting into the the work that you need to do you know and not being too much of a sort of uh I don't know not whipping yourself too much to kind of do the things that you're you feel like you should do you know um yeah, I don't know, because, like, living your life on the basis of what you should do is, like, a fucking shit way to live, you know? I mean, who decides what should means anyway? It's arbitrary. Um, you know, you do kind of just have to follow your bliss a little bit, you know, even and especially when that's not clear where that's going to lead, you know? Something I think about quite a lot is, is how, I guess, uh, I, well, I listen to, like, a lot of podcasts of successful people, you know, whatever successful means to me, I suppose, um, interesting people, people who've maybe explored different areas or have done different things or innovated in interesting ways. Um, and it's quite interesting to, to realize that a lot of times, <coughs> uh, these are people who've just kind of followed their curiosity and like not done it with any expectation of there being anything in return, but then suddenly when opportunities align, then there is a return and, um, it becomes you know, something really influential and, and interesting, you know, I guess maybe a really easy example, this would be like, okay, let's say you, back in the nineties, you loved like video games as a kid, right? But then your parents were like, oh, no one's going to, you can't get a job doing video games or whatever. Um, and so you quit video games and chucked them in the closet uh, along with your sexuality. And then you just kind of went on with life and did a really boring normal job but then on the other hand someone else maybe rejected that notion knew that they loved video games continued at it and now they're like a you know a streamer right and they get to do what they love every single day of their life um but that career didn't exist at the time that they first loved video games you so they sort of had to have that faith to like trust and plunge in on something that really intrigued them you know and there are lots of other examples of this of like people who maybe let's say, in the early days of computers and coding, um, I don't know, you can make an argument for, like, Steve Jobs or something, uh, Stephen, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak both kind of got into it before it was really, before, you know, before being, uh, being a com personal computer manufacturer was, like, a job that you could kind of sign up for, you know, um, same thing with, like, people involved in cryptocurrency and bitcoin and whatnot um yeah i heard it said actually that by the time you can make a logical argument for why it's a good idea to pursue something you're already late to it because if you can make a logical argument for it then so can everyone else and so everyone else is going to be getting in on it so in a way by following 
I guess what is a kind of an intangible mistress, which is curiosity and um, just intuition, you know, which is a, a, a very powerful but scary word. Um, it kind of allows you to, yeah, to trust your gut and follow things that potentially might lead somewhere very interesting, but um, you never really know where that is at the time. And so I guess that comes down to like having faith that something will come of that, you know, but of course you got to balance with practicality and like you do have to pay the bills and all that. So there's always that caveat because we live in a capitalist society, uh, which is not, a, not anywhere near as bad a thing as, um, people seem to make it out to be really, uh, yeah. So faith, I feel like there's a song. Is there an Aretha Franklin song that has something to do with faith? Probably not. Um, whenever I think of faith, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is like religion. And that's where, in a way, I actually honestly really envy people who are religious. Like, I can't really mm, buy into it. Um, but, like, man, imagine having faith that everything that happened in your life happened for a reason and was like preordained and was part of some grander story like oh yes (laughs) that's what i want give it to me i want that meaning i want that sense of narrative in my life uh but i don't know it just doesn't really seem to make that much sense that that's the case but then again something that I try to adopt in my own life is not just adopting beliefs because you feel like there is, uh, you know, I should preface this, beliefs, maybe beliefs that only affect you or related to your own mindset um, to some extent. But I think it's important not to only weigh your beliefs against available evidence but more importantly consider like is this belief useful or empowering to me and I think that's a much better framework with which to adopt beliefs and the reason being is that I guess a lot of times this uh, evidence is not the most reliable um, metric and that might sound like completely stupid but the reason for that is well, the best way to explain that is with uh, an example. You know, let's say I wanted to believe that people were generally uh, bad and they would screw you over. And then I could search through my memory bank and think of like, okay, what are all the times that that has been true? And I guarantee you, if you do this exercise, you'll be able to think of times where that's been the case. Or like, you know, you're a kid at school and like Lachlan punched you right in the dick and took your lunch money and um bought a bunch of dim sims that looked fucking good uh and or whatever you know or your parents dumped you on an orphanage door or whatever just typical everyday wednesday stuff but you could also on the reverse you could have the belief that people are generally good Um, And you could search through your memory and find just as many times where that's true. Where, you know, someone was really kind to you, where someone held the door for you or gave you a smile or like, um, I don't know, paid for your coffee or 
um, you know, time that family or friends gave you like a really thoughtful gift um, or really good advice, whatever. So there's a lot of examples equally of the opposite of people being good. Um, And so you could essentially use evidence to make a convincing argument for either. And I think the problem with evidence, you know, I think if if evidence was, if we're talking about evidence in a more empirical sense, then sure, that, that it would work. But the the mind doesn't work like that, you know. I could get into the what's called like the reticular activating system, which is basically the part of your brain that decides like what you pay attention to. Um, I think this is especially relevant in today's society because there's so much, we live in a, just such a rich information environment, you know, everything is competing for your attention, like social media, um, you know, television, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff pumped out there. It's all trying to find your eyeballs. And so you have to have very, very quick, very good uh, way to like filter out what you do and don't care about. Right. And the, basically the mechanism for that is called your reticular activating system, or at least as I understand it, I don't know if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me on this. Um, and so whatever your reticular activating system is primed to pay attention to, it will notice and the rest of it will get filtered out, you know? And so the most ex- obvious example of this is like when you buy a new pair of shoes and then you're walking down the street and you're like, man, I fucking love these new pair of shoes, my new Nikes, um, my little Nas Nikes with the blood in them or whatever. Um, and then you look around the street and then suddenly you see other, everyone else who's wearing those shoes. And you're like, man, were all those people there before? Like, did they really, is this shoe as common as I thought it was? Like, what the heck? Um, and the answer is yes, but you, your reticular activating system was never primed to notice those shoes before. But now that you have a pair of those shoes and you're wearing them yourself, that kind of occupies um, a part of your mind that, you know, means that you're kind of primed to see it everywhere else. And so the same thing is true with our beliefs, where if you believe that people are generally crappy, then your reticular activating system will kind of only alert you when something in alignment with your beliefs occurs. And this is basically why confirmation bias is such a huge thing. Political divide and blah, 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 is because of this basic premise that we, our minds kind of only pay attention to things that basically back up our beliefs um, and sort of filter everything else out so that's why evidence is not really um, reliable because chances are the the evidence that you're able to recall is just going to be the evidence that most closely backs up your existing beliefs Um, you know if we had a like I said if we had a very reliable way of storing um, past experiences and cataloging them and analyzing the pros and cons um, then sure, that would be an effective way, but otherwise, it's not. Looking at evidence is not the most reliable way to um, substantiate the accuracy of a belief. And more to the point, what's the point in having an accurate belief, really? Like, that's very weird. (laughs) That's a super counterintuitive statement. But I guess my point is, is that, like, would you rather go through life believe like if if let's say in a theoretical world both are equally true we're like there's equal evidence for like people being crap or people being good is it gonna result in a better life for you to believe that people are crappy or to believe that people are good now you know i'll give you a chance to like (laughs) talk amongst yourself but um obviously it's much better to believe that people are good um going through life with an optimistic attitude 
and giving people the benefit of the doubt and, and not becoming resentful of other people's actions and whatnot is very likely to result in a happier life. Um, so that, that is the superior belief to adopt, you know, because it's, a, it's always a two-way street, you know, it's not so much that um, reality informs our beliefs, but that our beliefs inform our reality, right? And so you've got to look at, like, you know, within the reason of the evidence, what is the best um, belief that is likely to empower me or, or result in the best possible life for myself and, and those around me. So, very long-winded caveat out of the way. Um, I think with that in mind, perhaps it is better to believe that there is a, a plan, a greater plan for your life and the things do have some broader purpose and whatnot, even if that's not necessarily true, you know. And that's, as I was saying that, where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can buy into this kind of religious idea of there being a of a, a broader plan maybe uh maybe that's foolish maybe i'm kind of need to take heed my own advice and actually believe that there is even if i don't can't prove that there is you know potentially that is a better belief to have so i don't know i'll think about that for a little bit let it stew but yeah would certainly be very relieving to believe that to be the case you know i think you can i think in a way there is some truth to that idea of like even maybe not that everything is in some broad narrative that's you know carefully architected but that everything that's happening to you now will have some meaning in the future um and even though that meaning might not be sort of preordained it's the meaning that you give it you know what i mean um so even if things feel like they're just happening willy-nilly at the moment, you can sort of trust that they're happening to you um, or happening for you, right? Got a little reframe there so that you're able to kind of, um, I don't know, integrate them or give them meaning um, down the track and that will help you live a better, happier life and help more people and, you know, spread sunshine, rainbows and, and flowers into... Uh, children's hospitals and uh all that good stuff so yeah good night